What is good, everybody? It's your host, Fuad, back at it with another episode of Shoot Your Shot. Today, we are going to get into the play-in tournament. We're going to cover the playoffs. We're going to be talking about the upsets that have happened so far. And I also want to discuss what my picks are for this season's NBA awards. Without further ado, let's get right into the news. So I want to start off by talking about who I think will earn each of the NBA's most coveted awards that a lot of players go out of their way to accomplish every season. So, so far, we have been getting a tight MVP race with Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. However, Giannis has kind of fell out of the race because... He's just too good. We've kind of gotten used to him being that good. He's also at the first seed in the East. So it's kind of weird that he like left the whole race to begin with. But that just proves how good the other two contestants are for this highly coveted award. So to start off, um, the two people that are sort of going back to back to try to win this award are Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. However, it is very important to state that Nikola Jokic isn't even that, um, like, he's not even trying to get the award. He's just that good, and his team is the first seed in the West, so it sort of helps his case. However, I think that Joel Embiid's 52-point game against Boston, which was a nationally televised game, made him get that final edge towards winning it, especially because he has been the runner-up for about two months now, or sorry, two years now. Uh, So I just think it's kind of about time. And also Kendrick Perkins' whole narrative about how white people have been the only players to win the award in the past 20 years that haven't like led the league in scoring or were even top five or top ten in scoring. I think that was very unnecessary. Honestly, I don't want to get into the whole race aspect in this episode because I am not a politician. I am not someone who wants to talk about these pressing issues in today's society. I'm just here to cover the NBA. However, Kendrick Perkins actually went out of his way to put on this whole narrative about how race was a factor when analysts and uh, reviewers were simply putting in their votes on the voting ballot to, to vote for the MVP. However, as I mentioned, I am not really trying to get into that because I just don't believe that's the case. I feel like people vote based off of pure player merit and performance. I don't think race goes into it, but... Uh, At least they got their clicks, I mean. That's like the worst way to try to go about that. However, to each their own, I do not condone any of the conversations that have been talked about regarding this matter. But moving forward, I just wanted to outline that that probably contributed to uh, Nikola Jokic losing that final edge, even though he has been having a historical seasons according to advanced statistics. He will not win the award because of uh, Joel Embiid's 52-point monster performance against the Celtics. And unfortunately, all the banter that has been going around the NBA regarding race and voting. 
Uh, moving on, I want to discuss who are the top people for the MIP award. Uh, I believe Laurie Markkinen has edged out his peers when it comes to winning this award because the trade to Utah further opened him up as a player it allowed him to play within his boundaries and not be pressed to perform at a certain level because everyone was under the impression that he was just simply not the player he was sought out to be but when those pressures fell off of his shoulders he was able to spread his wings and fly and average an insane stat line for the season, which will end up winning him the award. I think he was in a tight race with a lot of different players. However, I think his monster performance that the seven-footer went off to achieve this season will safely guarantee him because he went from averaging 14.8 points last season to being an all-star and averaging 25.6 points. His assist numbers also went up from 1.3 to 1.9 and his rebounding also went up from 5.7 to 8.7 rebounds per game. He is also shooting at a more efficient rate with his field goal percentage rising from 44 to 50% and also from three while taking more threes a game. And honestly, a seven-footer shooting seven threes a game at a 40% clip is just crazy. So even though Utah is not doing the best when it comes to standings, I think that he definitely edged his competitors out to win this award. Uh, moving on to the Rookie of the Year, I think uh, that is without a doubt that Paolo Banquero is going to win it for the Orlando Magic. Now, we can come up and talk about how people like the Sacramento Kings have their rookie going crazy. Uh, he crossed uh, 200 threes a game or a season, which is basically unheard of for a rookie. Uh, he's been going crazy shooting the three from the NBA during his rookie season. Uh, as we all know, the NBA has a larger three-point line. It's further away from the basket than high school and college. So that is why a lot of players have a lot of a harder time adjusting to the NBA range. However, he was going crazy. Nonetheless, I don't think he had what it takes to edge out Paolo Banquero because he's simply been just destroying every single rookie. Uh, the Magic basically gave him the keys to the franchise. He's been just like destroying every single one in front of his way. He averaged 20 points, 3.7 assists, and 7 rebounds off of not that crazy shooting. His efficiency definitely went down towards the end of the year. He's shooting 43% from the field and 30% from three. However, it is simply just better than the competition. So I think he will earn the rights to the Rookie of the Year award. And then moving forward to the Coach of the Year award, I think uh, Mike Brown is the clear front runner. He basically took the the Kings and transform them with the trades that they did and their coaching style. Now they're running like a sort of some kind of uh, iteration of the triangle offense, which has been shown to be extremely effective. Uh, he took an approach where a lot of coaches try to uh, kind of take on their own mentality to apply when it comes to a new team. However, he just took that whole approach where Instead of kind of building up that whole foundation from zero, he just took something that works and preferenced it and 
particularized it to his team, which is the Sacramento Kings. He moved on from the Warriors as an assistant coach, and the Kings gave him the keys to their franchise. And uh, the beam they've been lighting up after every win has been going crazy. They've been just annihilating every single competition they have in front of them. However, as we will get into later this episode, I don't think they have the edge and the experience when it comes to the playoffs, even though they have two bona fide all-stars. Um, I just don't think they have the experience it takes to edge a very experienced team in the playoffs, such as the Lakers, which is the team that they will be going against. Oh, sorry, they're going to be going against the Warriors, which is even worse than the Lakers. They have way more experience and championship pedigree. So um, I am sad to report that the Sacramento Kings, even though with a breathtaking season, and being the third seed in the NBA, or the second seed, or, no, yeah, they're the third seed. Uh, they were the second seed for the longest time, but uh, Memphis etched them out. However, I just think that they are a team on the come up. They should definitely be happy that they made the playoffs for the first time in about 20 years. However, um, it's simply not their time. It's too early. The Warriors are definitely going to, uh, as we will get into later this episode, etch them out. Uh, from a pure experience standpoint so uh, definitely earn their flowers Uh, Mike Brown deserves the coach of the year they will be back they're not going anywhere the trades as I said opened up their offense with uh, giving them the most historic offense in the NBA so uh, they're definitely not a team to be reckoned with however it is simply too early now um, for the sixth man of the year award I might get some heat for this but I don't think it should be uh, Emmanuel quickly from the New York Knicks, even though he did have like a better end of the season than my pick, which is Malcolm Brogdon from the Bucks. I just think Malcolm Brogdon, he is not a six man caliber player. He is a bona fide starter when it comes to his uh, skill and abilities in the NBA. However, a team so deep like Boston and their uh, insanely smart front office decided to pull the curtains on this trade and give uh, the Boston Celtics the luxury of having a starter come off the bench in Malcolm Brogdon. This man, has it's, he's literally a, an efficiency machine. He just like never misses. He's always hitting the bottom of the net, swishing the basket and you can tell like when he was on the Pacers he was averaging 20 points per game on insane efficiency as well however his efficiency only went up because he's going against the bench units from other squads they're playing so uh, also being surrounded by players like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is only going to open up the floor for you that much more so I think the Six Man of the Year award should definitely go to him. Uh, I think he is very overlooked when it comes to Malcolm Brogdon, generally speaking, because there's this running joke about how nobody knew he was the Rookie of the Year when he came into the league. However, in 2017, he was the <laughs> Rookie of the Year. And that simply gets glossed over so much because he's not like a massive social media personality. He's not that outspoken. He simply keeps to himself and he does his job really well. That's why he deserves where he is at this point in time. And he should definitely edge Emmanuel quickly, even though they have similar stats. 
Uh, Emmanuel Cookley shoots 37% from three. And guess what? Malcolm Brogdon shoots 45%, which is absolutely insane. That's video game numbers. Nobody should be shooting over 42, 43% from three on that many attempts per game. The man shoots five threes a game and makes around 2.2. Like, honestly... If I was the person in charge of giving these awards out, it would be a no-brainer. However, I think Emmanuel Quickly's late run for the Knicks, especially how they've been surging and beating up their competition, and uh, they're doing really well sitting in the fifth seed right now in the Eastern Conference. So, however, the Boston Celtics are a better seed in their second seed in the East, and they just have a better team. And part of that team includes Malcolm Brogdon, which again, he's averaging 15 points, uh, 0.7 steals, four assists, four, uh, about four rebounds as well. And he is shooting about 48% from the field, 51% from two-point range, and 45% from three, which is absolutely crazy. So in my opinion, he definitely deserves that sixth man of the year honor. And uh, finally, I want to cover who will in my mind, take on the Defensive Player of the Year award. There's a lot of different people who can be kind of considered for this award. However, I'm going to edge out Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J for the Grizzlies because he's just kind of, he's just swatting everything essentially. Like if you're trying to go up for a layup and Triple J is there, he's going to block your shot. He is just dismantling his opponents when it comes to the rim and then on top of that he's also a a really good three-point shooter so I think he has the whole narrative with uh, him being an all-star for the first time this season and then him making the all-rookie team he's him making the all-defensive team in 2022 he just has that narrative and he's on the come up And a team like the Grizzlies, which is the second seed in the West, I think that's just more of a reason to give him the Defensive Player of the Year award. He's leading the league in blocks, about three blocks a game, which is unheard of. I think the last time someone averaged that many blocks was definitely in the 2000s or in the 90s. Uh, Recently, people don't have that many blocks per game because it's simply just a lost art in today's game given all the spacing that goes around it's just um, a lot of people are deploying small ball rotations and uh, the true bona fide center is essentially a lost art in today's game so uh, having a center that could be an original og5 on defense but like a four on offense because of his shooting prowess kind of unlocks that ability for him to achieve that defensive player of the year honor uh someone like Rudy Gobert who kind of dominated the award in the past couple of years before Marcus Smart won it last year you can tell that he's unplayable in certain playoff situations which we'll also get into later this episode with how he got suspended for punching Kyle Anderson for the Minnesota Timberwolves Lakers game who essentially just like eliminated their contention half at least uh to get a easier playoff route going through the memphis grizzlies but um yeah i think uh, triple j kind of uh just cemented his role as that defensive presence when it comes to uh just essentially carrying that load on defense while being able to shoot the ball on offense he's also being super efficient from two-point range shooting about 59 percent which is really good for someone his size. So 
Yeah, I think he definitely earned the Defensive Player of the Year honors for 2022-2023. Yeah, so those are my um, award NBA 2023 awards. Uh, Hopefully I'm right. Um, The only one that I'm kind of thinking that might not go how I said is uh, Malcolm Brogdon for Sixth Man of the Year because of that Emmanuel Quickly narrative and the Knicks. They haven't really won anything at all in the past few years, so I think the NBA might give uh, Emmanuel Cookley that honor because of his late run. However, I still think Malcolm Brogdon should deservedly win it. So that's just my take. Uh, interested to see what's going to happen in a few weeks when they do announce the awards. And hopefully I'll be able to come back to you and tell you that I got them right. So moving on. We want to talk about what's been happening over the NBA in the past couple of weeks since we have our last episode released. Um, So, yeah, I wanted to mention how Rudy Gobert kind of got into it with his teammate. And that wasn't the only thing that happened that day. Jaden McDaniels, which is also on the Timberwolves, punched his hand into a wall right after that occurrence with Rudy and Kyle Anderson which put him out for the rest of the season, which is a huge loss for the Timberwolves because he is by far their best perimeter defender in the wing position. So he was like no doubtably going to guard LeBron in the playing game that they lost a few days ago. But honestly, like they've been blowing leads that they've had all season. So even though they kind of came out strong, they led the, the game throughout the first three quarters. I think having people like Jaden McDaniels and Rudy Gobert would have kind of kept them in that winning position that they were in when they versed the Lakers in the playing tournament. However, not having their best defender and their best rim blocker allowed the Lakers to slowly chip away at the lead and eventually come up on the winning end of that match. So I think the Minnesota Timberwolves kind of shot themselves in the foot because they gave away their whole future when it came to the Rudy Gobert trade. And then they decided to suspend him because they are the team that is leading the NBA when it comes to technical fouls. So I kind of get where they were coming from. They were trying to make a statement to tell their team that like this shouldn't be how we carry ourselves we should be more respectful and just have a better outlook and reputation when it comes to the league because we lead the NBA in technical fouls this isn't something that should be acceptable but the timing aspect of that whole situation did not help them at all it definitely hurt them when they had their best rim blocker and their best wing defender not being able to partake in that game against the Lakers, which essentially drew the Lakers a dream playoff path going through the less the the easier route towards the conference finals rather than having to go through the top teams in the West. So that same day that Rudy Gobert punched his teammate, Bones Highland actually got into it with Mason Plumlee on the Clippers against the Suns. So I'm kind of confused as to why that day was full of uh, violence, for the lack of a better word, when it came to the NBA. Uh, Teammates were kind of scrapping all day. Uh, They were kind of getting into it for no reason. They were, I think if I had to lay a theory out there that it was because the it was the last day of the regular season so a lot of teams were trying to end strong 
and they were just kind of getting lost in defensive rotations, which got them upset and got them acting out, especially because all the instances that went on with those teammates who ended up being violent towards one another were new acquisitions for said teams. Like Rudy Gobert got acquired in the beginning of the season to the Timberwolves and Bones Highland got traded to the Clippers through the trade deadline. So I think that might have contributed to the fact that it wasn't a proper fit yet. They didn't kind of have that chemistry aspect when it came to playing together, which led to defensive breakdowns, which ultimately led to them browling when it came to that uh, timeout. So... Uh, I'm happy nobody got hurt, even though the Rudy Gobert suspension was a statement. Uh, definitely hurt the team's chances towards making a deeper run into the playoffs. But let's be real, that's all a blessing in disguise because we don't really want to see the Minnesota Timberwolves make it far. We want to see LeBron make a run because he is almost 39 and he deserves to make the playoffs and he deserves to have a good team around him. Which is funny because I also want to get into how D'Angelo Russell shot one for nine against the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is his old team. I don't know whether he was nervous because it was his first like playoff-ish playing team or play playing uh, game uh, against his old team for his new team, the Lakers. But he definitely made the D'Angelo Russell Russell Westbrook trade not look good because I believe Russell Westbrook wouldn't have went one for nine. Um, at least he had eight assists, which kind of gives off that Russell Westbrook mentality. At least he's going to hustle and try to make plays, even though he's not shooting well. So, um, yeah, I don't think D'Lo's going to have that bad of a game moving forward to the rest of the games. But it was definitely a bad uh, play-in slash playoff, just not regular uh, season game debut. It didn't really look good on the whole Lakers squad. But then again, the coaching staff did a good job of not playing him too much and uh, played Dennis Schroeder a lot more, which ended up shooting that game uh, tying or game winning-ish three, which was followed by Anthony Davis uh, extremely fouling the hell out of Mike Conley, which made Mike Conley shoot those three free throws, which ended up in that OT thriller of a game where we saw LeBron just unlock and unleash his true potential and basically score half of his team's points in OT to guarantee them that win, which would be followed on by him saying, I I made for this moment. I don't want to miss the playoffs. I am really angry every season we miss the playoffs. I'm not a player which is made to be sitting out on the sidelines watching the playoffs. I want to be in them and dominate them. Hence why the Rudy Gobert suspension was sort of a blessing in this guys. So we can see LeBron make that playoff push. That Lakers versus Memphis Grizzlies um, tournament will be such a nice series to watch. I'm very, very excited to be covering it alongside you guys as well. Um, I, th- I have my money on the Lakers, obviously, because of their experience, but the Memphis Grizzlies are a very, very hot-headed team. They talk a lot of trash, so I'm not surprised to come out and see them swinging. However, I believe that their injuries with Brandon Clark and Steven Adams will limit their damage because they rely on those two centers a lot for offensive rebounds and second-chance opportunities. However, that won't be the case because both of them will be out for that 
entirety of that series. So I'm very interested to see how that will play into the Lakers' benefit and help them win that series to advance to the next round. They definitely caught a break by going against the inexperienced Grizzlies. They are very arrogant, the Grizzlies. So I want to see if they can walk the walk rather than just talk the talk. Moving on, I want to discuss how the Clippers win against the Suns cemented their fifth spot in the Western Conference. I don't know why they chose to win because if they lost, they could have been playing the Sacramento Kings, which is essentially a free dub of a series to the Clippers because it would have given them time so Paul George can come back in the second round. Kawhi would have just shut down that um, uh, Suns offense or not the Suns, the Sacramento Kings offense, because he is the best wing defender in the NBA. And that is what what would you want against the historical best offense in the NBA from the Sacramento Kings when Kawhi is on the other end of the court trying to guard everybody. So I don't know why they beat the Suns, because they wanted to go against them. That was kind of not the best decision, but maybe they did that to avoid what the Mavericks ended up getting, which is a $750,000 fine after the NBA investigated them sitting their best players for the reason of them wanting to get their top 10 pick not to New York because if they ended up winning they might have taken the Thunder's place uh, in the 10th spot uh, so essentially being in the playing tournament still and being able to make a run before shutting down their players for the rest of the season however they chose to make that uh, short-term decision hopefully, and I quote from Jason Kidd, uh, to get a better long-term return, which uh, essentially caused the NBA to launch an investigation to see that they should not be sitting their players on purpose, which is kind of funny because Utah and a lot of other teams did the same thing and they did not get caught or fined. So uh, Mark Cuban definitely had it coming for him from the NBA. And um, Luca was against the whole situation. That's why he kind of talked his way into playing the first quarter. But that obviously didn't help because the Mavs ended up losing that game. And yeah, they're out of the playoffs And uh, Luca definitely like shut down trade rumors and uh, things along that nature of him wanting to move on from the Mavs. But he was definitely uh, very active in voicing that he did not want to sit out the rest of the season and he still wanted to try to make the run. However, the front office saw that as a opportunity to be able to uh, basically have a 3% chance of getting the top pick in the NBA draft, which would be Victor Wambanyama. However, they also just wanted to, even if they didn't get the top seed, they just wanted to have a chance in keeping their picks so they can draft in the top 10 and add to their team because obviously they didn't have enough of what it took to make the playoffs with the whole Luka Kyrie pairing. So they're hoping they can sign Kyrie for another season and offer him the max because obviously, let's be real, no other team's going to give him a contract due to his like off-court antics and things along that nature. So... Very excited to see if uh, Kyrie will re-sign with them and if they actually end up offering him the four-year max. But we will see in the offseason and I will be here to report that to you guys. However, going back to the whole Clippers-Sun situation, I'm not sure why they wanted to go against the Suns because, uh, let's be real, a lot of analysts, including myself-ish-ish, kind of have the Suns coming out of the West because they 
Loki have the best roster in the West if you don't count the Warriors. Those are my two top teams to come out of the, of the West. Let's be real. All of us want the Lakers to come out of the West because of LeBron's age and his story and his narrative. And we just want to see him like hold his fifth ring because he deserves it. He made it to the playoffs way too many times. And uh, a lot of people keep giving him slack because he's he has a negative playoff record. But let's be honest, it's a team game. It's a 5v5 game. LeBron isn't out there himself. He was just not surrounded by the proper people to be able to get more championships uh, in his stint, in his first stint in the Cavs. Even when he came back, he was going against one of the top teams in the NBA's history. And then they added Kevin Durant in the Warriors. So honestly, I don't really get why LeBron gets that much slander. But let's be honest, it comes with the territory. So I'm kind of getting off topic here because there's a lot to discuss. But going back to that Clippers Suns situation... Uh, it's going to be a killer first round matchup for the viewers. It's going to be like essentially a, a Western Conference finals game in the first round because those two teams have the ability to make it to the Western Conference finals talent wise and roster wise. So I'm not sure why the Clippers decided to go against the Suns rather than lose the game and go against the Sacramento Kings. It, they essentially did the Warriors a huge favor because the Warriors got to keep the sixth uh, seed in the in the West, which would mean that they have to go against the Suns, which is a way easier first mat first round matchup. Now you might come out and say that the Sacramento Kings are the third seed; they're better than the lower seeds. However, that goes back to the same argument around the Grizzlies, even though they're the second and third seed respectively. They are not that experienced when it comes to a playoff push. And when you have to go against the same team four to seven times, it simply becomes a half-court matchup. The game slows down. Experience plays a huge factor in actually winning those four games or being the first team to get to those four wins to advance to the next round. That's why I have my money on teams like the Clipper, or sorry, the um, Lakers and the Warriors, which will go against the Memphis Grizzlies and the Sacramento Kings because of the players they have on their roster. LeBron has four rings. Steph Curry has four rings. They are a lot more experienced and they have a better not team because the the better teams have the better seeds. However, they have a lot more experience and then the Warriors actually do have a better team because they recently got Wiggins back. They also got Gary Payton the third back. So their defense is locked in with Draymond now. So they the Warriors do actually have a better team, but the Lakers don't. They just simply have the better top end talent, which is LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So I think LeBron James is simply going to will his team to a win to beat the second-seeded Memphis Grizzlies. The same thing with the Warriors and the higher-seeded uh, Sacramento Kings. So honestly, I am not sure why the Clippers won again. I keep re-emphasizing this because it's bewildering to me because... I don't know why you would want to have the the hardest first round matchup when your second best player is out with Paul George. You could have just lost the game and said you did the Warriors a huge favor by giving them the opportunity to go against the Sacramento Kings in the first round rather than you having that opportunity. You decided to win the game and versus the Suns, which are the best team roster wise to come out of the West. So 
yeah, we'll see what happens. At least for the viewer, it makes that insane first round matchup. So I'm not complaining from a fan standpoint. I am just kind of shocked why they chose to go that route. But then again, if they prove me wrong and beat the Suns, which is highly unlikely in my opinion, then that'll make them that much more of a serious contender. Then again, moving on. I want to talk about the Eastern Conference a little bit. Uh, Philly had their easy W against the Nets, which will kind of give them a good run for their money, but they're not risking each other in the playoffs after the West Eastern Conference schedule was cemented. So now Cleveland will be going against the Knicks, which is by far going to be the closest first round matchup because those teams are super close when it comes to talent and record. I believe that the Cleveland Cavaliers will definitely edge the Knicks, especially because the Knicks have one of their best players currently sidelined in Julius Randle. This man was an Iron Man for the entire season. He barely missed a game, which was him being the only all-star to actually play in over 70 games, which is ridiculous. And then lo and behold, he has a gruesome injury right before the playoffs in which he has to be sidelined for more than four weeks. So hopefully Julius Randle can do Knicks fans justice and come back within the first round at least. But even if he does, I think Cleveland simply has a better team. Uh, they have a better front court and back court. Their back court is deadly and lethal and their front court just in insane when it comes to size, rebounding prowess and all that. So uh, I'm a very avid Cleveland fan when it comes to this particular team because who doesn't enjoy watching a shifty backcourt with Darius Garland and Spider Mitchell just just like crossing everyone over and pulling up for three pulling up for fades they just make basketball look so easy and then Donovan Mitchell at 6-1 can catch bodies as well so he just unlocks his true potential in the playoffs he can like shoot 12 threes a game while catching bodies and scoring 40 plus so yeah I think Cleveland's gonna uh, it's gonna be a very close matchup because New York has a lot of other good players when it comes to rebounding as well however I think that um, their lack of experience in the playoffs as well as Cleveland will kind of hamper them from getting that far but I have my money on Cleveland winning that first round matchup also Miami would have definitely given Boston a hard time um, if they had won the play-in tournament against the Atlanta Hawks however uh, let's be honest I think uh, my favorite player ever your boy Kyle Lowry came out swinging. He got 33 points. He swished six threes out of my jersey, his jersey right behind me. He carried the team on his back. He took charges at 36. He proved why he's the GROAT and the Raptors champion in 2019. However, that's besides the point. Uh, he was basically the only player that played well for the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler basically forgot how to score a layup. He forgot how to rebound. Um, you got the other all-star in the Miami Heat, Bam Adebayo, simply just not making his presence felt. He didn't take enough shots. Uh, the Miami Heat were out-rebounded against the Atlanta Hawks, 63-39, to with, and they only lost by 11 points. And I think the reason why they lost is because, <laughs> get this, the Atlanta Hawks had 22 offensive rebounds and about 20 second chance points. And uh, the Miami Heat had a staggering six offensive rebound compared to Atlanta's 22. 
And uh, yeah, Capella, he had 21 boards by himself. So yeah, um, Miami put up a really good fight, especially after halftime. They put it down to four, but then the Atlanta Hawks just did not allow them to come back. As I said, Lowry was the only good player, 33 points on 15 shot attempts, which is absolutely insane, especially for, for a guard his size at his age. He had four rebounds himself, which was basically more than the rest of the Miami Heat. Well, not really, but you get what I'm saying. At his size, four boards is more than enough. But yeah, I think Miami just kind of fumbled the bag. They would have gone against Boston, which would have given them a run for their money and at least tired them out because Miami's that gritty team where they're always fighting for second chance points, for opportunities like just uh, lost balls, 50-50 balls. Uh, Boston would have beat um, the Heat or Atlanta coming out of the uh, plane in the East. However, uh, I think Miami would have definitely given them a harder run for their money. Boston would have just been more tired going into the second round. However, now they have a breeze of a matchup against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Atlanta is actually 3-0 when it comes to the play-in tournament, which is by far the best record since the play-in tournament came about three years ago. There's no other team that's 3-0. The Memphis Grizzlies were 2-0 before this season. However, they also had one loss. So, uh, yeah, the... Atlanta Hawks kind of own the playing tournament at this point. They're 3-0. So it's nothing to be proud of because that's basically like cementing the fact that you're a mid-team. But yeah, the Atlanta Hawks, yeah, you guys do you. The whole trade situation with Trey Young's also something to get into. However, I think it's a lot of noise because it's simply too early to be coming up with trade rumors before the playoffs even finish or start. <laughs> so it's just kind of weird, the timing aspect of it, but that puts another uh, thing on uh, Trey Young's shoulder. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder anyways. That adds another chip to his shoulder. So he's basically like just trying to prove that he belongs. He led the league in total assists, and James Harden led the league in average assists per game. But, yeah, I think he's a good player, but I don't know if he, like, has a proper fit next to DeJounte Murray. So we'll see what happens and transpires in the offseason. But for now, they're definitely focused on making a playoff run, <laughs> a.k.a. losing to Boston in four games. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I don't think that that playoff matchup is going to get that far. But, yeah, I also had my money on the Toronto Raptors, my Toronto Raptors beating the Bulls, but after leading by 19 and DeMar's daughter shrieking and yelling every time a Raptors player would go on to miss a free throw, they definitely lost and uh, blew that lead, which is kind of a blessing in disguise. It offers Masai that chance to prove that he is not where he was a few years ago with the team he had. Kyle Lowry left. Kawhi Leonard obviously left. Uh, instead of rebuilding, he just decided to kind of stay in that mid situation where they're kind of contending, but not really. He got Scotty Barnes, which was a good draft pick. Everyone didn't like it in the beginning, but then he won the Rookie of the Year award. But then at this point, everybody expected him to take another further run and become better. However, his stats are essentially the exact same as his rookie year. 
so he plateaued. I really hope he doesn't plateau next year and he works on his shot a little bit because the Raptors' whole ideology with this like 6'9 player portfolio where everyone's just like 6'9 so they have like a better defensive standing is not really working out because they can't rebound because they don't have like a very strong rebounder. Everyone's on the perimeter at 6'9 even and they can't shoot like their their height is hurting their rebounding it's hurting their shooting i think Masai is just kind of stuck in that whole whirlwind that he was in a few years ago but it's simply not the way it was so yeah i really hope that Masai accepts the fact that his team is not good enough to contend and starts rebuilding seriously uh, we all expected them to beat the Bulls. However, like I said, DeMar's shrieking daughter made sure that the Raptors missed over half of their free throw attempts. And yeah, if you had more than double the amount of free throw attempts as the other team and you missed over half of them and you lost by like, what, four points? Yeah, you don't deserve the win. Kind of a blessing in disguise because the winner of that series would have gone to uh, play the Heat first to try to win to get into the playoffs, which I don't think the Bulls are going to beat the Heat. But even if they did, then they would have had to go against the Bucks. So you're just kind of like building that slow staircase to losing anyway. So at least they got a head start on their Cancun vacation. Honestly, they would have lost to the Bucks in four games easily. So yeah, they weren't going to win anything regardless. So at least they got their wake up call sooner than later. And they have an opportunity to have a head start towards thinking towards rebuilding during this offseason, especially because Fred Van Lee is a free agent. I really hope he stays because he was my favorite player on the Raptors, but he had such a horrible season this year that honestly, knowing him, he's going to bounce back because he's always played with his back against the wall. Everyone counted him out everywhere he ever was. However, shooting under 40% from the field is just not acceptable, man. Like, you got to do better. You're an NBA player. Like, that's just so bad. Like, honestly, I definitely think that he's going to have a lot of teams that are interested this offseason. But I would take him back because I like I like him on my team a lot. But I don't know. I think he has his, like, eyes out for revenge. He's going to have, like, a revenge season next year. He's going to go crazy. But hopefully it'll be on the Raptors. But I'm not so sure. I, don't, I think uh, Masai is going to explore trading the team's core i really hope he trades siakam not og ananobi because i really don't like siakam's fit on the raptors even though he's a really good player i just don't think with him we're gonna win another time so however with og you definitely can because he basically led the league in assists or sorry steals he's a really good defender on ball and off ball and he can actually shoot so if you bring a better team around him then and Fred Van Vliet, then that actually puts you into the contention if you bring another star. So we'll see what happens in the offseason, but that's where my thoughts are right now on my Raptors. And yeah, I uh, kind of want to just get into the whole Luka situation a little bit, uh, elaborate on what I did before during this episode. Uh, yeah, so Mark Cuban basically released that decision, which went straight down to Luka, uh, down the whole organization that they were going to rest their whole starters and essentially choose to miss out on the playoffs so they can maintain their top 10 pick because if they made the playoffs then their pick would have dropped to an, under the top 10 which meant they would have had to trade it to New York as part of that Porzingis trade clause so they chose to maintain their pick which is kind of smart however it's not really professional or the league just doesn't accept when you sit your players for no reason, especially when you say rest, 
when there's like one regular season game remaining. So they launched an investigation and then they ended up uh, coming to the conclusion that they're going to fine them $750,000 because they don't condone tanking. So Mark Cuban definitely paid the price to keep his pick. At least he didn't get the pick rescinded. But it definitely cost him a lot of money to do so. Hopefully the pick ends up materializing to something well. Because if you didn't, then you would have lost out on a potential. Who knows how playoff run Luka like, unlocks a new Luka into the playoffs. And then Kyrie is just insanely efficient in the playoffs. Their lack of defense would have definitely hurt them. But... If they maybe went against Denver and, you know, like Denver had a few injuries, like you don't know. You can't say what would have happened. Obviously, Denver has the higher odds towards beating the Mavs if they solidified the eighth seed through the playing tournament. But now we're never going to know. So hopefully that decision ends up benefiting the Mavericks because even though Luka denied that he wants to get traded, everyone is pointing to the towards the direction that if the Mavs keep doing what they're currently doing, then Luca's probably going to ask out come like next season or the season after because Luca's a winning player. He's been winning the whole time. He was in the EU before he entered the NBA. And ever since he entered the NBA, they made a huge playoff run last season, reaching the Western Conference Finals. However, he is simply not in the same position he was in last season because they went from making the Western Conference playoffs to essentially missing the entire uh, playoffs this season. That's why he was super avid about wanting to play when everyone else was sat out. And the compromise Cuban reached was, hey, you can play the first quarter. So he would keep his like star player kind of intact and not go crazy. But yeah. Honestly, I don't know why Cuban decided to do that. Hopefully that top 10 pick ends up materializing to something they can actually use towards competing next year. I also want to talk about Damian Lillard and how the organization is basically saying that they are willing to do what they wanted to do for the past few seasons, which is build a very much more serious contender. They have a lot of young guns that they are willing to trade. Um to get that bona fide superstar alongside Grant and Lillard. However, um, yeah, like, I just don't know if they're ever going to be put into a place where they're actual contenders, which is sad because Damian Lillard was literally the, the third in scoring at 32 years old in the league this season. And he's just like a phenomenal historical player. He's part of the NBA top 75 players for a reason. He's one of my favorite point guards to watch. He is majestic when he's dribbling and shooting from half court every time. He can still dunk at 32. He caught a body during this season more than once. He's just like a really good player who deserves a better opportunity. Uh, the Blazers kept saying that they're going to try to rebuild, but now it's like up to the coach too. Billups is saying that he's super sick of losing. And then they have like a bunch of young players that really can't help them compete now. So they're putting Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp on the trade block in hopes towards getting a better fit alongside Grant and Lillard towards competing. But then again, I just simply think that their lack of defense is not going to help them in the long run because even though Grant put up such good uh, numbers this season, I don't think the team has that like leader, which like is a Draymond Green or a Marcus Smart, like that heart and soul player, which puts them above and beyond to try to like get and fight for every loose ball and just like put them on the edge towards that competitive title when it comes to a Western Conference run. Ever since that 2019 run with him and McCollum. 
uh, to reach the Western Conference Finals, I really doubt that they're going to reach that far again because of that front office. So I really hope Damian Lillard can like either get traded soon or just like have a decent enough contender. But then again, I would rather not the latter because I would rather him leave Portland, even though I'm really close to Portland myself and I can just drive down and watch him play every time I get a chance to. Uh, I just I would love for him to be surrounded with a team that he can actually compete with so he can actually be remembered for like winning a championship and being a champion because he embodies that spirit and that personality. He's super loyal in an era where everyone's ring chasing and being super superficial in, in terms of just like switching teams every single season to try to find the best opportunities for themselves and just requesting trades when you have over four years left on your contract, like KD, for example. Like Damian Lillard is super grounded. He's very down to earth. He is very loyal and he's extremely genuine. So he just, from a pure personality standpoint, deserves to win a ring. And I would really want for him to explore his chances with other teams so he can try to materialize on that dream of his because he is talented enough and watching him not win is simply going to affect his legacy like for example Clyde Drexler we all remember him for being on the Blazers and then never leaving but as soon as he got traded and won with the Houston Rockets he's a champion right so like you just don't want to be like that Charles Barkley for example where you're an excellent phenomenal player but you simply didn't win like that John Stockton Karl Malone combo I can keep going with players that are simply like great players that didn't win I just don't believe that Damian Lillard belongs with that set of players because he deserves a lot better because of how good of a person he is and uh topped off by the fact that he's an even better basketball player so at the end of the day he just deserves to be surrounded by a team that kind of accentuates his talents and gives him that edge towards competing and making that good of a title run I would love to see him on teams like the Lakers, maybe the Knicks even, because with him being plugged into the Knicks, they would definitely be a huge contender. Or better yet, Boston. If Boston got Damian Lillard, it would be like a wrap. It would be game over. So, yeah, I would love to him for be to be in a better situation so he could make that title run. But knowing him, I don't think that's going to transpire, unfortunately. So... Honestly, I'll just pray for you, Dame. You're a hell of a guy. You deserve a better opportunity. I really hope you don't waste the end of your tail end prime in Portland. And if you choose to do, I really hope the organization surrounds you with a better team so you can at least contend for your beloved city. Honestly, that covers a bunch of what I wanted to discuss over the last week of the NBA season. It's been going berserk. A lot of different things have been happening, and I love to cover them in front of everyone listening. To my loyal listeners, I appreciate you if you reached the end of the podcast, which I doubt anyone did. But if you did, then you're a real one, so I appreciate you. And we out. See you guys next time.